Protect the Nest fans, Dodson here with a special guest. We have Chris Connor from the Bird Rights. He's going to sit here and talk with us a little bit about the NBA coming back, uh, free agency, what, what the Pelicans need to be looking for if the games do come back. Just a few other topics as we, we ramble and roll on the Protecting Us podcast like we do. We got Lance Broussard Jr. here as well. Yeah, man. Um, it's been it's been a while uh, since I've been on. And uh, actually, it's been kind of crazy because, you know, as, as much as I am a passionate basketball fan, when the COVID-19 news came out, um, I kind of had to block basketball off for a while because uh, I knew we weren't going to have it. Um, we were in a state of flux where we didn't know when it was going to come back. Uh, we, were in a, we were in a state of flux where, you know, this this virus, this pandemic was affecting us, you know, personally, you know, family-wise. So uh, it's good to hear that, you know, the NBA is, you know, possibly on the verge of coming back in some form or fashion, uh, regardless if the Pelicans are in it or not. But I, I would love for if they, they had a shot, but... Glad the NBA is back as a fan. Yeah, of course. Chris, how you doing over there? Everything opening up your way? They getting the hoops back around the playgrounds? How, how's life treating you up there? Hey, man, that's funny you mentioned that, man. Uh, first of all, as always, man, it's a pleasure being on with you guys. Uh, appreciate you uh, hitting me up in the DMs, uh, Dodson, to uh, get this thing going. Uh, but um, it's funny you mentioned that because last, last Sunday, uh, me and a few of my boys, we've been, you know, we've been working out trying to, you know, uh, Pass up the consistent while everything's been closed, and you know, it's pretty much the only day where everybody's off and free. And we actually went to a basketball court. Not sure if you know, the uh, not sure if, if it would be open or not. Of course, the park was open, but you know the rims were taken down. So uh, we are. I'm in. I'm in Chicago. I'm in the Chicagoland area. For those who don't know, so uh, the city, not the city itself, but a lot of the suburban areas, is scheduled to open. Friday, uh, but you know, I I still don't I don't know to what to what capacity just yet. Nothing official been put out, but me personally, I'm just staying out the way and hoping for a haircut. So. Oh, I heard that. I heard that. Well, why you staying out the way and you up in Chicago? You had to watch the Last Dance. What you what you think about that? How was that received in Chicago proper? Oh man, I mean it's a it's a uh, it's an ego booster to a city that's already you know cocky about. Um, you know, the run that, that their team, their franchise had, especially, you know, considering the, the state that they've been in since, since George and that team left, you know, just, you know, going through this time with uh, Foreman and Paxton and just, you know, the Derrick Rose rise and fall and just everything that's happened, you know, right. since then. Um, it was the perfect shot in the arm for them. It was the perfect time pretty much for everybody uh, from, a, from a basketball and entertainment perspective. You know what I mean? But if we in regards to how I saw it, man, it was great. I mean, I, I watched, I watched almost anything I could about Joey growing up. I mean, I'm 20, I'm, I, I just turned 28 recently, but I mean, whether it was some of the some of the documentaries that he had early earlier on in the 90s, his his airness was one of them that I remember vividly watching. Um, I actually before before the the Hornets, or Hornets at the time, ended up relocating to New Orleans. I was a Bulls fan. Uh, because, I mean, how could you not like Jordan during that time? Once Jordan retired, uh, the next closest thing was Kobe. I was a Lakers fan for a little bit. And then as soon as New Orleans dropped, I dropped all all times in the other franchise and rolled for the city. So, you know, I mean, I, I've been, I mean, anything that, that, that had to drop about Jordan, you know, how he was on and off the floor and his return to Washington, I mean, I've kind of been on it. And it was just, it was refreshing to uh, just get a chance to, 
not only live through history, but learn different things about the you know the pieces and total from that team. I knew about Jerry, you know, Krause already. I knew a little bit about Phil. Um, I knew a lot about Rodman, but there were things about Scottie Pippen I didn't know. There were things, a lot of things about Steve Kerr, reference to his father, I didn't know. You know I mean, it's so many different ways that that, that that documentary went, and it was it was placed, it was pieced together almost almost to perfection. Uh, you know, it was. Um, I think more than anything, it's going to open doors for so many other 10 car, you know, more than, uh, I would say more than five. I think the Lakers Celtics was like six. I think you're going to see more documentaries that go that far, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten uh, episodes. And I think that the last dance proved that if the if the pieces, if, if the, you know, the meat and potatoes of what you are talking about, if it's good enough, if they had an impact enough on, on our world, on our culture, yeah, no, most definitely. And um, so just like you, uh, Chris, I'll be uh, turning 28 uh, in June. So um, I didn't really get to watch much Jordan coming up uh, when I was, you know, I was what I was born. 90, was born 92. So, you know, uh, I didn't really get to see. But this last dance documentary really kind of, you know, it kind of put you in the uh, in the court side. You know, with some of the greats. Um, just like you say, there were some things I didn't know about Scottie Pippen. There, especially with the uh, he didn't come, he didn't come into the game. You know, during the time Mike was retired, that was that was a uh, you know that was crazy in itself. Um, this the you know trading Charles Oakley. I didn't know Mike and Charles Oakley were that close. You know, and you know as, as far as Jerry Krause, even though he was despised I want to say or disliked amongst the team or maybe even within an organization you can't argue that he wasn't good at his job he could he got Pippen you know and that and that's me I'm a I'm a big GM guy I like to look at the GM moves regardless of whether you liked or not even though that is a big factor into retaining superstars now um but he, he got Ku coach which is a good move he got Steve Kerr after losing Paxson. And Kuko should be an all-star in this this era. Yeah, He'd I mean, be he, would be, uh, he would be like uh, Hito Turgoglue, you know. he would, I mean, Hito would be an all-star, and I, I think, in this. Him and Lamar Odom, that's that's kind of like my guys. Uh, you know, who would be – Tim Thomas would be an excellent stretch four. You know, I just, just think about old players like that. It was good to reminisce, but I'll bring us up to the present. Uh, momentum is, is starting to build towards a truncated season for the NBA it's looking like they're going to finish out at least some portion of the regular season or a play-in tournament, plus the playoffs all in Orlando. You know, what are y'all's feelings about that? The, the finals will be best of seven, but how do y'all feel about the way they're going to get to the finals? Um, is there a preferred method you'd like to see? Do you want to see, like, the World Cup group games or just, a, say, a single I mean, elimination? I guess, I guess it depends on which which route they go, right? If they go, they're going with the group of teams that are penciled in one through eight to the playoffs if the season has you know had ended before suspension uh then yes that's i would like to see something new something fresh maybe something that you would never never see again some type of experiment to bring uh just something unique you know outside of just you know your standard one through eight two through seven so on and so forth uh i think that uh you know i mean i, I think myself speaking i mean you know who's to say that some folks haven't
talk about the team, so on and so forth. I mean, there's a lot of unknown involved. So if you go that route, with the teams that are set, especially considering you're going to turn off a certain point part of the fan or fan bases that felt like their team had a chance, I would like to see a different, a different unique stance or a different uh, type of method being introduced, even if it's just for, you know, to experiment. Now, if you don't go that route, then I think some sort of some sort of tournament to figure out at AC, just the AC in the Western Conference, I think makes sense. I don't know if you go eight through eleven, you know, uh, and you knock away San Antonio, or you go nine through twelve first, and then however you get through that that aspect of it, whoever comes out alive, their faces misses. You know, um, one way or another, I'd like to see something unique. You know, I just. Unfortunately, I'm sure that the Eastern Conference, you know, those teams 9 through 11, 12 would have something to say, but I would say, you know, the uh, the gap between the, the eighth seed in the East and the, and the, you know, the eighth seed in the West, you know, is totally different. I mean, the eighth, eighth seed, you're talking like five and a half, six games out, versus in the West, you're looking three and a half, three and a half, you have four, like, those those teams are, are a little bit closer together. Uh, and, I mean, those are the teams that fans are going to want to see, you know, the ones that are out, Portland, New Orleans, and uh, so on and so forth. Yeah, and it's just, something unique might bring in new eyeballs. Somebody that maybe wasn't a basketball fan says, oh, let me check this out. It's something new. You know, why not? You never know what something new might bring in. But Lance, what do you feel about the, the formats, the group stages, the, the one and done? Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, I mean, definitely Chris made a great point uh, about, you know, the East being a little bit too far far out. Um, I saw a lot of people suggesting, you know, 20-team playing where, you know, they would have possibly a best-of-three series between, you know, that bottom, you know, 8-10. Uh, to eight to 10. Uh, And then, just like Chris was saying, that was a great idea, by the way, of, you know, 9-12 you know, through 12 battling out. And then whoever that winner is sees Memphis. But the, the thing is, is that I, the NBA is going to always try to bestow competitive advantage, you know, throughout the NBA. So it's almost like, well, one team is getting into a rhythm or a few these teams are getting into a rhythm. What are you going to do, you know, with Houston, you know, the other play, the other seven playoff teams, LA, the LA teams, Denver, Utah, you know. So it's, it's a problem that the NBA have to figure out. But Adam Silver and those guys, that they're, they're smart. Um, and they're also trying to, you know, also trying to recoup that revenue loss. So that's also a big part. And more games would definitely help with that. But you also got to understand they're trying to stay safe also. Right. They're going to do their due diligence. But, you know, they've got – I'm going to have this release Thursday. Today, Thursday, there will be a GM conference call. Friday, there will be a larger call involving the uh, Board of Governors, probably the Players Union. Probably won't hear anything definitely until at least, let's say, in Monday evening. That will be June 1st. That will give them a full month lead up of uh, preseason to a July July 1st tip-off. But how would y'all feel about if the Pelicans do get in? Should they use this more as a developmental period, or should they take Zion and, and try and win a championship? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think I think any any opportunity you have to build a playoff level of intensity, uh, especially when, you, when you're looking at a team that's as young as these Pelicans are, I think you take it. Now, it, it, it's, it's going to be a little awkward at first. It's going to be weird. I think eventually when you're talking about these professionals and what's at stake, it's all said and done, you know, you're going to see a situation where, where that intensity, that chemistry, everything picks up. These guys are going to want to win. Um, you know, it, 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 it won't be the same as being, you know, as having uh, a sense of home court. 
advantage. It won't be the same as, you know, traveling here or there and, um, you know, what, what we get under normal conditions. But there is something to build upon outside of just playing a few games. And I think if the Pelicans get a chance, if they get a run at this, and you know, everybody's spoken about it, J.J. Reddick has mentioned it, uh, David Griffin, Elvin Gentry, everybody has spoken, has spoken about it. They want an opportunity at it. It's going to be the same, the same for the players, without a doubt. So, you know, I, I don't think that there's a chance that they would, you know, that, that they would take that for granted. And, um, you know, I mean, the mission mission may have been uh, paused and interrupted. It may have to be resurfaced in a sense. But I don't think it changes once, once games are regulated and things start to jump off. When it's all said and done, you have a chance to fight for a championship. More than, more than anything, earn some playoff experience, in which we know how important that is to young teams this early along the process, you do it under any circumstance. Yeah, most definitely. And uh, just to piggy off that, you know, at, you know, um, adversity builds character. And uh, playing in, in this type of situation, uh, that type of setting, and, and that type of intensity where... You know that that's gonna that's gonna build the chemistry of the team. That's gonna build bonds. Uh, they're gonna be able to build. JJ's not gonna let them slack. This is his, this, oh, JJ yeah, in sure. the playoffs. Come on, JJ Reddick is not gonna let them slack up. Yeah, no, for sure. JJ is definitely trying to get that uh playoff streak, keep that playoff streak going. Uh, but at the same time, it is about above above all else. The NBA is the leader. You know, pretty much in I want to say in the world, and pretty much making headway with the safety with safety of the players and, you know, safety of the fans. So I actually think they're going to try to take their time on it. And I'm not sure, man. I, I actually think six, 16, I actually think 16 teams, they might lean that way. So you don't even Honestly. think the Pelicans have to deal with the question. They're, they're, 20, they're 20th, so they won't even have to deal with it. All right, but looking forward, you like the deep GM stuff. How do you feel about the, the Brandon Ingram decision that's coming up? Do you give him the full max? Do you wait and match a max offer? How how do you approach that, GM Bruce Hart? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I mean, honestly, Brandon Ingram approach it with the with the sense of uh, obviously you kind of want him to get that that Jalen Brown kind of discount that he got, but or that Sacramento sign Buddy Hill for, but I don't think you're gonna get that from a first time All Star. Um, He's already been quoted saying he wants that max money. I mean, no, definitely. I'm, and I'm more inclined to throw him maybe 90, 90% of the max. Maybe, 90%? I say 90% of the max. I don't know if I'd go full five years, 180. Five years, 180. I don't think I would. You I won't wouldn't give him that. the full Siakam? I wouldn't, I wouldn't do the full Siakam, no. What about you, Chris? What what percentage of the cap might you, or the max might you devote to, to Brandon Eagle this summer? I, mean, I don't think you have a choice but to give him the full max. Yeah, I understand that there's some uncertainty with everything that's going on in reference to what the cap will look like uh, due to the you know the revenue that that, that has been and will be lost uh, due to COVID-19. But you, you be rest assured if you if you don't handle this the right way and give that man what you were going to give him uh, before everything broke out, somebody else will. and. You, you know, you risk the chance of losing him. You risk the chance of upsetting uh, someone who has played with a chip on his shoulder, uh, especially, you know, the past the past season that I have. And definitely since he stepped in, you know, in New Orleans and has really branched out his game from an offensive standpoint. He's only going to get better. He's the hardest worker in the gym, first one in, last one out. He doesn't cause you any problems off the court. He doesn't 
care about fame or being noticed for things he's doing in the community or, you know, being on social media. None of that really matters. None of that matters to him. He cares about him being the best basketball player, you know, he can be. Teammates love him. He always says the right things and he backs it up with his actions. But that's a guy that I think after him becoming an all-star this year, he's worth max money. And you're building, you know, what you're doing right now, the actions that you make as of, you know, right now, it sends a message to the rest of your team. It sends a message to, to guys that will get paid later on after him. Not only about your commitment to the group that you have now, but what you're going to do for them when their time comes up and it's time for them to make a decision uh, financially. So let's look at that, because we all know Zion would get 120% of whatever Max is out there. He, he, They would give him that tomorrow if they could. But how, what's the percentage of the Max you would give, say, Alonzo Ball? Would you give him 80%, 90%? Because he's going to want some money, too. You got Josh Hart coming down the line. He's, he's available for an extension. Uh, Nico Melli is going to be up for a new contract after next season. You know, what what kind of contracts are we looking at, at to giving these guys so that we can still build on this roster and make it the championship roster David Griffith says he's going to build? So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 no problem. Yeah, so for me, um, I was just throwing out a couple numbers uh, at Dotson uh, earlier. Uh, one guy on the team that I am a big fan of and I would love to keep for years uh, at a time for sure, it's Josh Hart. Then why you want to underpay? So, listen, listen. I'm going to give you a, a couple contract numbers just based off the old cap. That's Because that's all we have to operate on pretty much by now is the old cap numbers. I think they're going to smooth the cap. It's not going to go down below $100 million like some people have projected. Especially yeah. after they come back to Orlando and recoup some revenue. But we'll see. But yeah, yeah go ahead with, to... with, with the numbers we know about. Yeah, I don't want to speculate, but I would say I would look, be looking at signing Josh. Something like four years, $44 million, you know, about $11 million a year. Uh, Dotson, he seems to think that Josh will command something like... He's going to get more. He four get years. More. Next year, couple million a year. Four years, $65 million. Jesus Christ. Yes. Maybe, maybe not maybe $55 million. I said, listen. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> if he gets $65 million, he, he's out the door, unfortunately. He is out of here. <laughs> somebody's going to have the money to give him a... Somebody's going to have the money to give him a crazy contract. Well, and, and you know what? You're right. You're right about that. That's the, that's the game you play. Um, I actually talked about this with...
is there a possibility that another team may may want to offer him more? Hell yeah, we see it all the time. Look at look at what happened to Portland with with uh, with uh, Alan Crabb. You know, right? I mean, um, you know, they they wanted to keep him. He, you know, he was coming off a year that he had with one of his best shooting years. They ended up now they made the mistake of letting him go in the restricted free agency. Brooklyn ended up offering him a deal. They reluctantly had to match it. Things didn't work out. And they traded him to Brooklyn next season. Right. I don't think you want to be in a situation where you're forced to uh, have to either either overpay Josh and make a decision where you're letting another team make that decision for you. Um, you would hope, and, you know, you, yeah. You would hope yeah, that. Well, go ahead, go ahead, Chris. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. You would hope that you know that culture that you built over the years. You know that he would want to be here. I'm not saying take a hometown discount. Of of course, you know I'm all for players getting paid and feeding their families. I'm all for that. However, you would always you you would have to think that he would have to weigh a place where you know that basically chose him. You know, a place where he's loved. You know, a place where you know that values him versus possibly a non-playoff team or you know a, a team where he might have a lesser role you know but for, but you know for more I don't know for more money I don't know what team would be out there that possibly would do that but if you were paying him I mean, that money for you would be paying him as a starter but yeah, I mean great teams great teams take sacrifice I mean it's just it's no way around it Josh mentioned when he first got to the world and, and, and I don't know if it's fair to use it against him or not but I mean this, these are the things that happen any type of sexual negotiations that you know, he mentioned that he thought the team would be a championship level within three to five years. Well, that's going to take some sacrifice from some of the guys on the team uh, financially to end up making that happen. It's just, I mean, that's just how it works. Now, maybe that made, maybe that's a situation where Doc takes a short-term deal. He takes a short-term deal uh, to where you know, he may not, you know, maybe it's heavily, you know, incentive-based. And he takes a cap friendly deal, a hometown discount, as you said, you wouldn't necessarily want to call it, but it might just be what it is. And then it allows him in two years or three years to go and, you know, see what he's worth on the open market, see what someone will pay him. I make no mistake about it. Someone's going to pay him big money at some point. Someone may offer him the chance to be a starter, which I think he will eventually earn if he hasn't earned it already. We've seen what he can do uh, in limited starting opportunities. Here. And he's a guy that you can plug in and play in the right situation. I think would be, a, you know, an excellent starter for a team as he continues to, you know, to develop and improve his individual game. You know, but um, I mean, this is going to be about puzzle puzzle making. And when you're a small market, I don't think they're in a situation to where they can overpay. No matter how much I love what Josh Hardy is perfect for the community, perfect for the world, and he's wrapped his arms around it. I don't think you can overpay role play. So who are you more you likely to over? Who are you more likely to overpay for, Josh Hart or Lonzo Ball? I, if I had to pick one or the other, I'm going to pick Lonzo because I because I believe Lonzo's ceiling is higher than Josh Hart's, of course. I think his... But he's going to cost more, too. When you overpay him, you got to overpay him by, like, $20 million, where you got to overpay Josh Hart by, like, 2 or $3 million Yeah, but... Over the life of a contract. Yeah, that's 100. That's 100. I think you're going to get the, you're going to get the return back on that value. Yeah, and you can't look at yeah, you can't look at Lonzo Ball the player as in a, a vacuum with that. Also, you have to look at him as Lonzo Ball paired with Zion Williamson. You know, they have this chemistry together, and it's not in a in a, a lot of a lot of the times I'm looking and people looking and and the casual fan will just see 
alley-oops to Lon- to, from Lonzo to Zion, but they don't also notice that when Lonzo and whoever dumps it down to Zion in a post, he's looking for Lonzo on that kickout. Like, they have that in sync where those last five to seven games when Lonzo was averaging, what, like 18, 10, and 10 and shooting 55% from three, most of those were assisted from Zion. Yeah, yes. Yeah. And Zion... You know, he was under. He's an underrated passer himself. Those were, weren't. Those weren't passes that were hitting him. You know, below the knees. Those were right in the shooting pocket, right in the chest. You know, so you gotta. You gotta I mean, think s- about. Think about what you know. Think about how much he's, he's improved. How much he's shown about being on a team that is really committed, or a, a team that is uh, showing a newfound ability to improve a player, develop a player mid-season during the season. You can make an argument that Zoe's first few months here in New Orleans, he's improved his game more in almost any stretch than you've seen him in uh, beforehand in Los Angeles. Oh, yeah. We've seen him, you know, we've seen him try things game to game. We've seen him shoot a floater. We've seen him in the post. We've seen him uh, shoot, shoot step-back mid-range shots. We've seen him try to finish for His free-throw shot is better, no matter, even if it's still at best shot right now. It's three-point shooting better. There's so many different things about him that has improved. I think you have to give it the benefit of the doubt that those things are going to get even better. I think, like, though, like, you're paying him based on what you think he's going to be in comparison to what he's shown you, um, his work ethic, and the strides that he's taken in this year and going into next year, so on and so forth. Um, it's not going to be an easy decision by any means. That's the guy I'm picking. I think that, that's going to be the better player. That guy has all-star potential still um, once he continues to put things closer together. Yeah, I'm with you there. I mean, you're paying Ingram the same way. You're paying him now for what he's going to do three years from now, What not not what he did three years in the past. But, uh, mm-hmm. first man, we appreciate you coming on. It's been a good half hour. We're going to let you go, let you enjoy your evening. Appreciate you. Man, as always, I appreciate listening anytime. Anytime you guys, you know, you guys need to get inside, uh, Lance, you got more than welcome to hit me up. Uh, man, I Chris. Basketball, Pelicans, whatever music, whatever whatever y'all want to talk about. You man, know, if I got the time, man. Man, so, Chris, it was good hearing from you. Day. It was good hearing from you, man. I needed to talk about basketball again. It was great getting back uh, getting back in the swing of things. Appreciate you, man. You Like I said, you, you're you welcome anytime. It's great having you on. And, uh, man, you, you uh, stay safe, man. And everybody who's listening, wash your hands. Social distance. <laughs> all right, man. Y'all be good, all right? All right, man. All right, man.